means we're back with our second episode of Five Minute Workday. Woo! Yay! I know, right? It definitely so. feels like it's longer than five minutes. <laughs> Trust me, between the prep and actually the playtime, it, it's much, much longer. I feel like it's more like eight hours at the workday. Yeah. So, where we left off, you guys are at the Midwinter Gala at the Vanderboss Manor. Um, let's see. We left off after Calandra Zamira, the bard, was singing, and then she was attacked by what appeared to be an imp. Um, after talking around a little bit, you discovered that there's something going on with the youngest daughter, Amelia Vanderboss. She had been clutching a piece of paper in her hand from a childhood storybook called The Wooden Girl. And that same piece of paper was found beside the imp's dead body. So, uh, Rathos, you are currently with the other guards escorting Calandra to her room, correct? That is affirmative. And everybody else, you are still in the ballroom? I believe so. We were, thought we were heading to, uh, like, the little girl's bedroom with her or something like that. Yeah, I was walking with the little girl to her bedroom uh, to find the book. And I was there, too, because I remember uh, Fairy gave her the necklace. Okay, that's correct. Okay, so... As you guys are about to leave, you are warned by Diodora and Vincenzo Vanderboss, the two elder Vanderbosses, not to leave the manor grounds. It's simply a precaution. Everybody's currently a suspect in what happened. Um, so, as you head to young Amelia's bedroom, uh, do you guys want to go directly to the room? Or do you want to stop anywhere? Do you want to talk to anybody? I'm, I'm kind of letting her guide me and just kind of following her, basically just towards the- Yeah, I'm just, I'm just following along, planning to go to the room. Yeah, I think I was coming, I was uh, taking up the rear and I guess I'll be keeping an eye out to see if there's anyone following us. Alright. You guys, no one's following you. This is, you guys were hired as a guard. Um, there are still people standing outside the ballroom door, a couple of guards to make sure nobody is entering and exiting, except for you guys. So as Amelia leads you down through the manor, um, her bedroom is on the first floor. So she takes you down the staircase, through the main entrance, and uh, once you find her room, it's huge a young child. There's a four-poster bed with um, fabric draped over it. There's like a life-size unicorn stuffed animal in the corner. Oh my god, I'm and so like, jealous. <laughs> in the middle of the room is a large circular area rug. And you notice, well, you know, whoever wants to take the lead and whoever enters first, give me a perception check. Rolling. Fairy's just looking around with her mouth open. This room is bigger than the house she grew up in. <laughs> so that's 17 and 2, 19 for perception. All right. 
So, you notice on the rug, scattered about, there's a couple of hair barrettes and about seven marbles. And you can see they're just kind of kicked about all over the carpet. Um, you notice at the foot of the bed, there's a large ornate toy chest made of a rich mahogany. It's got gold handles on the side of it. And uh, Nathmaya, you're the only one who notices that over in the corner, there's a kind of limp and glassy-eyed creature with red skin. He's in kind of a soldier's uniform who looks to be a nutcracker almost. But when you look over at him, he kind of waggles his tongue at you and salutes. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> right? What the? <laughs> um, hmm. Oh, okay. You said uh, Nathmaya was the only one that noticed that? Yeah. Barry is just looking around and she says, Oh my goodness, your room is so beautiful! Amelia says, Oh, thank you. Um, I spend a lot of time in here. I'm not really supposed to leave the manor. So, my, my brother's room's just as big. Wow, this room uh, is bigger than the house I grew up in, the whole house. She goes, oh, well, maybe you can come stay with us sometime. Oh, I would love that, thank you. What's everybody else doing? So I, I let go of her hand, and I, I just kind of face the corner and just kind of start walking towards the, um, the thing. I don't actually have a word for it. The thing that is taunting. Okay. So, um, he is still saluting you. He's just standing there, very still. Um, do the rest of us notice it once we see that Nethmai is walking towards it? Um, I would say so. If you guys are looking over in that direction. But, like, it's just sitting there saluting now, right? It's not moving? It's standing up saluting now. Right, but as far as we know, it was like that when we walked in. Yeah. Do I do I have any idea what this thing is at all? Um, you know, I would say at this point you do. You realize it's another imp. I want to throw a dagger at it. Okay. Go ahead and make an attack roll. So that's 19 to hit. 19 to hit. Let's take a look. Oh yeah. It hits him, and he lets out the loudest shriek you've heard all evening. So go ahead and roll damage. Uh, so it's 1d4 plus 3. I rolled a 4, so 7. 7. Alright. So, he lets out a loud shriek. And he goes, what the hell was that for? And you notice Amelia 
snap to attention and look over at him and run over to this imp and put her body over his and go, no, no, don't hurt him. Look what you've done. Yeah, because one imp this evening just wasn't enough. We definitely needed a second one. Well, we don't know. Maybe this, maybe this one is her friend. Because it's not his fault. It's he just, he's just been here for a little while. Care to explain? Um. Well. So. And she's kind of hesitating. She just met you guys. She's not sure how much she can trust with you. Um, Fairy's gonna get down on her knees in front of Amelia, and she's gonna say, um, Amelia, we don't want to hurt you. We just want to understand what's going on here. Yes, we're literally paid not to hurt you. <laughs> Should I make a persuasion check? Absolutely. Can I give her advantage on that? You may. And Marathos will check in with you in just a moment. I don't want you to feel left out. Well, that was terrible. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, persuasion. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a hard three. Ooh. With advantage? It was a three and a one. Oh my god. <laughs> so she hesitates. However, she looks among everybody in your group and singles out nine lives as the one she would like to talk to. He looks the most familiar, um, considering she's never really seen a goblin, a drow, or a tiefling. That's fair. So she, goes <laughs> she goes over and kind of tugs at the edge of his coat so that he'll get down on her level. I do so. <laughs> and very quietly... She explains that she was reading the wooden girl from the book that she received as a gift. And, because it's her favorite bedtime story. And she says, so when I read it, Sharnock arrived. And he's, he's just been here, you know, ever since like three days ago. And he's the one who told me that if I placed the marbles and the barrettes into a pattern on the rug, um, that, that magical things would happen. And then you see her face kind of fall, like she's extremely ashamed. She says, and that's when Brimto showed up. That's and the bitey one, huh? She goes, yeah, yeah, that was him. And um, I, I left them in here and then I went to the ballroom because, you know, my mom and my dad, they told me I had to be there. But I guess he escaped while I was there. Yeah, much to his detriment. Um, any more small fellows wandering around? No. Um, once he arrived, I panicked and um, I kicked all of the stuff from where um, Chernock told me to put it, so I don't think any more are going to arrive. Mm. 
do I know like <clears throat> like uh what kind of summoning magic or anything like that there would be able to happen just by arranging some marbles and stuff? Um who's currently in possession of the book page? I think Fairy? Yeah, me. Fairy, you would know, or you'd have an approximate idea. Since you are the one with the book page, you can see that on the back of the torn page is what looks to be an ancient symbol. Like a like a sigil almost? Yes. Do I um do I recognize it? Have I seen it before or something like it anywhere before? Um, it's unlikely that any of you have run into it, but it's relatively easy to figure out what it is. Um, once you guys look at it, you can see that it's actually the sigil for Asmodeus. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. You can see Fairy that... says, oh, that's not good. <laughs> you can see, because... In the sigil surrounding it are the letters for his name. So it's pretty much spelled out for you guys. Um, but you guys aren't sure just how deeply his involvement is. Barry says, um, Emilia, was this symbol always in the book? How, how long have you had the book? You said this, uh, you, this happened three days ago, but how long have you had the book? Uh, I've had the book for a couple years, I guess. Um, um, the drawing wasn't there until Sharnok arrived. So let me get this straight. You've had the book for a few years, and three days ago, you were just reading the story, and he arrived. Yeah. Was there anything that, anything different about how you were reading the story, or anything like that? Um, well this is the first time that I read it out loud. Normally I just read it to myself. That is very interesting. Have you tried reading a cookbook? What's a cookbook? Never mind. Um... You know what? If someone wants to make a intelligence check for me. That has Nethmaya written all over it. Uh, 17. <laughs> 17. Um, I'm gonna say go ahead and roll with advantage since you guys are all working on this at the same time. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what that it means you can go ahead and roll one more time and you take the higher number. Sweet. Definitely going to stick with 17. Okay. Okay. So is not really sure what the sigil has traditionally been used for. Um, but you guys do know whose sigil it is. And however, she does get the feeling that since the sigil's already been activated, it needs to be completely dismantled before it can close. 
Okay, so we, do we just uh, pick up all these little bits and bubbles that are around here? Amelia kind of hesitates. Sorry, go ahead. No, absolutely, go ahead. I was just going to ask so what I know how we would have to disassemble it, basically, and take it all apart. Hmm. Let's see. Um... Since you got a 17, I'll give this one to you. There's been rumors that I believe Nethmaya would have heard about it needing to go to the City of the Dead. There's an altar there that you can use for magic that needs to be dispelled regarding sigils and portals. Okay, um... I kind of just glare at the imp. Uh, I feel zero guilt about throwing a dagger at him whatsoever. Uh, and I just relay it back, relay the rumor back to the party of, you know, what I've heard and, and what we need to possibly do to, to resolve it. Hmm. So it's about this time that Charnock speaks up. He's very friendly and very helpful, and he looks at all of you individually and says, if it's help you want, it's help you'll get. He said, just finish this right here, and that's how you shut it down. I'm not liking the booyah. I'm thinking that we, we kill the imp, we kick the marbles, and then we get paid. You know, I actually agree with him for once. We're on the same page. I don't know, I'm kind of interested to see what happens. Can I... Can I inside check that? I want back? to know. Uh, what was your name again, Imp Impman? You don't know me? I'm Chernock. Everybody knows Chernock. I do not know Chernock. I know you showed this little girl how to summon a, uh, a not so friendly little buddy. Because, hey, that was his bad. You know, we were just gonna stay here in the room and. Then, you know, the Asamar showed up, and I guess he just couldn't help himself. He just, he felt the presence. He had to go after her. Can I insight you check the, the imp? You absolutely can. Uh, 14? 14? Alright, you can tell that he's kind of trying to prolong this. He doesn't want to go back to the Nine Hells, and he will help you guys if it means he can stay up here longer. I mean, same, but... Yeah, Nine Lives is gonna just... Uh... You know, wield his rapier up to... Or, it isn't a rapier, it's a cutlass. Up to his neck. And to be like, enough games. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa! No need for the hostilities there, pal! Shoot straight with us. And it's about that time where you put the blade to his neck that he goes invisible. He's just stolen! I'd like to lash out and try to make an attack. Alright, you can try and make an attack. I believe that'd be disadvantage. Yes, it would. <laughs> Is he bleeding anywhere? Like, do we see blood uh, going off in some direction? I'd say my dagger did hit him, right? Absolutely. That's a 17 to hit. With this after disadvantage? After disadvantage? Yep. It hits. Go ahead and roll damage. Kill him. 
so yeah, I just kind of make an arc around as I see him disappear. Uh, that's going to be five points of damage. Alright, so as you connect with the invisible imp, his concentration's broken and your blade goes down into his shoulder and there's the pile of blood oozing out onto Amelia's bedroom floor as the imp crumples and dies. Amelia is upset. She's never seen somebody die like this, somebody that she knew their name and knew them as a friend, and she starts crying. Just go, now, now, it's all for the better. She's crying, how could you? He was how using could... you, sweetheart. She's inconsolable. Fairy goes down and, you know, puts her arm around her and is trying her best to console her and say, um, you know, like, he was, he was not a good person, Amelia. He was, he was using you, trying to get you to bring terrible things into this world. He was my friend. And it's about that time we're going to switch over to Rathos and see what he's doing. You've now joined Kalandra and the guard in her guest room up on the second part of the manor, just down the way from the ballroom. So as you enter the guest room, you can see that it's very opulent. Everything is in shades of cream and gold, fresh flowers on the desk with the finest stationery. Um, there's a, a gilded trunk at the end of the bed. And you can see there's paintings up on the wall, very fine oil paintings. And as you enter the room, Clondra sits on the edge of her bed, looking crestfallen. Just, this isn't how I want tonight to go. Hmm. Well, obviously, it's not how any of us wanted the night to magical, to say the least. Yes, yes. Uh, I want to take a quick look around the room as I'm consoling her and talking with her, trying to take a look and see what is on the artwork, if there's anything that I might find uh, mischievous, like any paintings of demons or whatever have you, possibly. Okay. Um, give me a perception check. Well, that's net 20 with the plus 3, so 23. Woo! All right, you notice there are two different paintings on the walls that catch your eye, but not because there's anything nefarious about it, but because of how beautiful they are. One of them shows waterfalls with a dragon up above it, the sunlight catching on its golden scales. And then the other one looks like a very beautiful elven woman dressed in green with flowers in her hair. And just the quality of these is amazing. But there's nothing particularly sinister about this room. It, in fact, doesn't look like it gets used often. It's very generic. 
So about that time, switching back to the other group, um, at this point, I would say Amelia's starting to calm down a little bit. Your words are starting to sink in a little bit. And she just kind of sighs. She goes, I should have known better. This is all my fault. Absolutely not. Well, he just... He showed me how to do it, and she gestures towards Fairy. On, on the back of the... On the back of my book paper. And I just, I did it. I didn't even question it. Things like this happen all the time. It's nothing to be ashamed of. She goes, have you ever accidentally summoned an imp? Of course I have. Who hasn't, really? You summoned three last week alone. Well, I, I, I want to help you however I can. I'm sorry for ruining everybody's gala. It's not your fault. It could What's have gone a gala? lot worse. Just, yeah. And the I fact that you helped us made it so much better. You've already been such a big help. Because, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because, well, I can tell you, he did say something to me about a winged woman in the city of the dead. I don't really know what he was talking about. I've never actually been there. City of the dead, where is that? Um, well, according to Mama and Papa, City of the Dead is... Hmm. And she kind of goes over to her toy chest and pulls out a little map that she has. And she goes, it's right here. And she points to the very edge of Waterdeep. And you can see it's, from the map, a sizable area. Almost like a park rather than a cemetery. Because, yeah, over there, that's that's much further than I'm allowed to go to. But we could go there, no problem. One of these days, I hope I can go wherever I want. I'm sure you will, one day. There was a time where I was not allowed to go wherever I wanted. I had to stay in the Underdark. <laughs> that is not a nice place at all. Because what's the Underdark? The Underdark is where I am from, where the Dark Elves are from. It's underground. That sounds scary. It was. That is why I left. There are not a lot of nice people down there. It doesn't sound like it. She kind of turns to the rest of the group and goes, Are you all from the Underdark? Yes. No. <laughs> she looks even more confused now, trying to piece together all these strangers. Correction, I'm from the Underdark. You know, sometimes he, he lies, and sometimes he lies again. <laughs> he thinks he's funny, but he's really not. I have no idea what you're talking about. She kind of turns to Nine Lives and very reproachfully goes, You know you're not supposed to lie. Yeah. I'm not. Are Can I make an insight check? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll let you know if you beat me. <laughs> mm, that 
You cut out. Sorry, ten. Oh, not even close. <laughs> So, so does, does Fairy now think that Nine Lives is from the Underdark? Absolutely. It's a very large place. It's absolutely possible that he could be from there. It's open for uh, interpretation. <laughs> in Undercommon, I'm going to say, you did not tell me you are from the Underdark. Where, where are you from in there? <clears throat> uh, in Goblin, I respond, for the places I speak like this, no, no, that's that's not what we're talking here. It's, it's, it's... Uh, you know, he's a little from downtown. Fairy is also is now extremely confused, and she waves her hand and she says, "This is neither here nor there. What are we going to do? Are we going, are we going to go to this place, the City of the Dead, and, and she waves the paper, uh, get rid of this." Do we get the feeling that's all that, all that could be gleaned from that piece of paper? And from the marbles and... Check the unicorn. I'm just gonna have to rip this open, just for good measure. <laughs> no! Yes. Check inside the horn, there's something in there. At that, you could see Amelia rush over to the unicorn and kind of sit right in front of it. It's her favorite toy. But, um, why don't you give me a investigation check? CSI. Who's doing that? CSI, water deep. Uh, you ask the question, so you make it. I have a negative modifier, so it should be you. Ouch. Uh, 13. 13. Okay. That's actually exactly what you needed. You know, a piece of paper isn't enough. You're going to have to gather up all of those little pieces that she used to create the sigil. But you notice not all of them are on the carpet, on the rug. There's not enough there to have created the sigil. Right, but why do we need to recreate the sigil? Because in order to consecrate it, you need to have all the pieces and recreate oh, it in the City of the Dead. Um, Fairy is going to take out one of her pouches that she uses to collect bits and bubbles, and she's going to, um, you know, pick up everything that she can see in the room. The barrettes and the marbles. Okay. So, let's see. Uh, sorry guys, I have to pull up my pieces of paper and stuff. No problem. So, from what you can see, you need... You need about 11 more pieces to complete it. And we don't see them just in the room, just just that looking around, correct? Correct. Um, can I look under, like, the bed and under dressers, you know, just do a basic intense sweep of the room. Absolutely. Can I check the dead M's body? Absolutely. Alright, so, uh, investigation? Yes. Not 20 to loot the body. I mean, search the body. <laughs> On his body, you surprisingly only find two gold coins and nothing else. 
Seems like when he was summoned, it uh, was a very quick thing. But he also does have a very cute little soldier uniform. I got an uh, eight, so... I'm definitely taking the gold coins. Alright, so go ahead and mark that in your inventory. Is anybody going to go inform Rathos of what's going on, what the plan is, or are you guys just leaving him to his business? I was thinking about it. <laughs> no, they can totally leave me with the uh, hot singer. That's totally fine. Can we shake the unicorn? Does it feel like it has something in it? Uh, you can give it a try. You wanna like touch to do so? that unicorn? We just murdered this girl's friend right in front of her. We are not going to touch her favorite toy. I'm gonna point at the axe on my hip and go, Don't worry, it's, it's put away. I'm just gonna use my hands. I'm gonna say give me a strength check, because this unicorn is huge compared to you. <clears throat> strength or athletics? Um... User's choice. Like a proficiency in that one, so it's a 15. 15? Okay. Upon shaking it, you don't hear anything out of the ordinary inside. You don't feel anything. It just feels like it's stuffed to the brim. It's very dense, but not necessarily heavy. Alright, I think it's clean. Not now that you touched it. Your damn <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? Absolutely nothing. Um, I'd like to go over to, uh, was it Amelia, the, the little girl, um, and, and ask her, you know, where, what, what happened to the rest of, of the things that you used? Where'd they go? She hesitates for a second, looking back and forth between everybody, before pointing at the chest at the end of her bed. I tried to clean everything up as quickly as I could, but I just didn't have time. Do you, can I can I go through there? Can you show me what you used? Yeah, okay. And you can see she's trying to open the trunk, but it's very heavy and she's very small, so it takes a second. And do you go ahead and search through there? Um. So, was she able to open the lid, or no? Yeah, it just took a moment. Okay, I'd like to kind of ready a dagger, but yeah, I'm gonna search through the chest. Okay, um, give me an... Let's say... Uh, hmm. We'll say perception check for this one. Okay, one second. Uh, it's an eight. Okay. Sorry, guys. Give me one second. Speedy stepping on my papers. <laughs> I've, I've suddenly lost my vision. <laughs> okay. So, upon going through it, you can find a couple of things that you think might work or might be it, but Amelia doesn't really remember either. She's like, I, there were so many pieces, I just, I don't know. Real question, does anybody have detect magic? <laughs> uh, I think I do, one second. I think I will go and grab Rathos. Okay. Yeah, I have detect magic, you want me to cast it? Uh, probably, I mean, there. I'm assuming there would be something residual left on the items. Um, I just, I don't have it. 
Okay, I'll... We'll take out, like, everything that we think might be it. Like, all the tiny things. And, um, Fairy's gonna spread them out, and she's gonna cast, uh, Detect Magic. Okay. So, upon doing that, you, uh, kind of get small little pings off of some items. There's, like, a, a squiggly wooden snake. There's some metal jacks. Uh, some alphabet blocks, pickup sticks, really just common stuff. Um, but then, upon getting all of those out of there, you detect a magic coming from an ornate round music box in the shape of an egg. Maybe ten inches long with like a deep ruby color on the outside and it's encrusted with gems. And so, I'd say it's those, I'd say that's about 12 items that you managed to pick up out of there that you're getting magic off of. So, like, 11 of the little things and then the, the music box? Yes. Alright, Fairy points to, like, the ones that she thinks are them and she scoops them up and then she says, Emilia, what is this, what is this uh, beautiful item over here? She looks at it, and you see a deep fear take over her, and she begs you, she says, please, please just get out of the house. I do not like it. I do not want it here. Please. Fairy blinks, and she says, where did, where did you get it? What, what, what is it? Um, I had, um, a birthday party about two months ago, and it was a gift. And I do not like it. Fairy, like, goes up to it and she says, Why? What does it do? It is... Did you know that it was magical? Um, well, not at first. But then, um, I, I turned the key. And it just... I, I don't like it, please. And you can see she's just sitting there, cowering next to the unicorn. And it's almost like she's... Shutting down. Uh, Fairy frowns and she turns to her compatriots and she says, This is giving off an extremely strong magical energy. D did I get any, like, kind of sense of, like, what kind of magic it was? Um, I would say no, just because of how little time has passed. But I would say that it's giving off the strongest magic in the room. Okay, um... Fairy will say, uh, If you'd like, we can take this away from you. Just please, just get out of here, destroy it. Oh, okay, okay. Sounds like we're on a destroy some magic quest. And she takes it and she puts it in her bag. What's everybody else doing? Um, well, while everyone else is doing that, I'm finishing inspecting the room to make sure it is secure, so that, uh, Calandra will not be attacked in her room, exactly. And nine lives? I was making my way over to Calandra's room to get Rathos. Okay. Um... I would say by the time they've gone through the toy box, you should have reached Calandra's room. 
Um, you know what, Fairy? You want to make a uh, either history or arc arcana check for me? Uh, okay, one sec. Both aren't great, but <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Okay, not too bad. That's a 15 for either Arcana or History. Alright. So, upon looking at this weird little box, you can kind of see that there's a very fine etching on the bottom of it with the name Linsky. Linsky. Let's see. Uh, 15. You know that that's referring to Gadoff Linsky. He's a famous toy maker from Barovia. And he has this reputation that exceeds him for making very exquisite toys that more often than not have more sinister intention. Hmm. Good to know. Uh, Fairy's not gonna say that mention that in front of anyone right now, but she, you know, notes that, and she tucks it away in her bag. Alright. So... Um, wait, she, she's gonna ask, Amelia, who gave- do you remember who gave that to you? She goes, um... No, there were a lot of people at the party. Um... I think it was one of my parents' acquaintances that came in from Damara. Okay, thank you. Where'd your friend go? Uh, who was it? Was it Nine Lives that left? Yeah. Oh, he wanted to- I believe he wanted to, uh, get our other friend who- We're going to tell him what happened. Um, before we do anything else, uh, how many- how many pieces of, like, how many, like, trinkets do I have now? Let's see. So you have, I believe, eight wooden alphabet blocks, um, seven glass marbles, and I would say we'll say about seventeen metal jacks. Then there's the wooden snake and a pickup stick. But only one. Okay, uh, fairy oh, count. And a barrette, okay. We'll say three barrettes. Okay, cool. Um, fairy is going to count all of these items, and then she's going to go through her bag of, like, things, and she's going to count the exact same number, and she's going to put them in a bag, and she's going to give it to Amelia, and she's going to say, So, because I'm taking your things, this is to make up for it. Her eyes go wide, and she goes, Really? I can have these? Of course, Sid. I wouldn't want to leave you with, with nothing. I, I mean, you did not ask for your things to be taken away. She's very excited, and she takes them gratefully and deposits them carefully into the toy box. And shuts the lid. She goes, you know, um, I can show you 
where you have to place everything if you're going to try and make it stop. Oh, uh, Fairy looks to the rest of them and she says, do you think that would be a good idea? Do you think there's any danger in placing them the way that they are? They're supposed to be. Yeah, I'm sure there are, but what else do we have as an option at this point? How about this? How about you? How about you draw it for me, and 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 write down where everything needs to go, just in case putting it out in in the the real world would be dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Um, can I have the paper? Yeah, fairy hands it to her. She takes it and she kind of smooths it out so it's not quite as wrinkled and she points to each part on the sigil on the back of the paper and she says well where his name goes um each point of that was a block and then um and before i continue i'm gonna go ahead and send you guys the sigil so you can visually see it <gasps> yes! And then, Harrison, do you want to go ahead and put that up on stream so they can see it for a moment? That would be the Asmodeus sigil? Yes, it would. I just clicked the scene, right? Yes, you do. Production value. Know, this is right? so cool! So you guys can see, as she's pointing at each piece, you can see that for each letter, it's a wooden block. And then for each dot, it's a marble. And then the wooden snake goes in the middle with a barrette on either side of it and a barrette at the end of the snake. The pickup stick goes down the middle and then the jacks form the X. All right, fairy, like, um... I'm sure, like, Amelia can, like, procure a pencil for her or something. And, like, Fairy, like, writes this down. All right. So I will go ahead and, in chat, send you guys the version that says everything since you have it figured out. As well as... While you've got it out, she's going to tell you... I really liked this book. I'm really sad that I have to get rid of it. Well, I'm sure that your parents can buy you another one if you ask. She goes, yeah, but it was a gift. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm typing to you guys in chat the info you need. So I imagine I've gotten to rate this by now. Yes, you have. I'm just going to walk in and be like, hey, big brother. Yeah, we didn't find anything. I went the little girl. All right. There doesn't seem to be anything over here either, but at least the room's secure. What's the plan? Well, I was hoping you guys found something uh, since I haven't found anything over here. Um, luckily, the... Calandra is uh, safe, and this room is secure enough to keep her protected with the guards outside. Hope. What do you say we go talk to the uh, Elder Vanderbosses? 
I would not be opposed to talking to old mom and pop. All right. All right, then. So, uh, the two of you, if you're trying to track down um, Vincenzo and his wife, you'll notice they are still in the ballroom, but they're about to leave as you arrive. Uh, where are you guys? Where are you guys going? They look at you, maybe a little bit contemptuously, and they go, "Excuse us, our daughter has left, and this has been a very traumatizing night. We'd like to make sure she's okay." Let's say what now? Our daughter, Amelia. Yes, she's had a very rough night. We'd like to go check on her and her brother. Oh, I thought she, I thought they were leaving the building. <laughs> no. She's... They kind of look you over and go, I assume you don't have children of your own? Yeah, I might. Anyway, um... <laughs> about your daughter, uh, yeah, we actually saved her from, you know, another, uh, one of those little nasties. Their eyes kind of lock onto you. And very quickly they go, please, come with us. Oh, and come, they start, come with me. They start briskly <laughs> walking past you towards the library. Oh, I keep pace. I get in front of them. <laughs> BDE. I believe this oh. is the part where you die. <laughs> I'm going to go it's ahead and uh, follow since they're uh, leading us somewhere that I have not been in their giant mansion. I just look back and give Wraithus a wink. <laughs> Are they all trying to push past each other at this point? It looks really awkward. Yeah, basically they are keeping a quick pace and Nine Lives is rushing past them to a place he doesn't even know where it is. <laughs> uh, when he winks at me, I just kind of roll my eyes and sigh and like... and fall. So, as they make it to the downstairs area where the library is, they push open the double doors and they gesture for you both to go inside. Isn't this not where the little girl is? No, it's not. I go after you. They step inside. <laughs> after after wanting to be first the entire time, I let them go first. Tell their patience is wearing thin with you. So they start ignoring you and talk directly to Rathos. I uh, casually and lazily rest my hand upon the uh, handle of my great axe just in case if anything. They usher you both in to the library before shutting the, the wooden doors and they say, please, just a moment of privacy. That's all we need. We must confess. It was many, many years ago. We were different people then. And we made a deal with Asmodeus. We wanted this life. We wanted the riches and the notoriety. This is the life we wanted and we put ourselves first. And for that, 
we will forever be grateful to have had. However, he's targeting our children now. Well, I mean, when you make a pact with a demon, they kind of expect you to pay up, and they don't like to clarify their terms of the deal until it's too late. You can see that Mrs. Vanderboss is almost about to cry, just tears forming in her eyes as she clutches at her necklace. And she just is quiet, contemplative, but her husband has puffed out his chest and is seeming almost borderline belligerent. Yes, we do not need to be um, told that by the likes of you, dwarf, but we know we've dealt with this. We've dealt with our choices and our mistakes for too long. And he and looks you both in the eyes and says, help us get our daughter out of this, please. So we this is really this why you wanted to hire us for the evening. They go, no, we had no idea this was going to happen. We had no idea. We went and looked at her book. The Wooden Girl has always been her favorite story because her name was in it. And that is not the version that she was originally given. This one, it seems somebody's messed with it, underlined instructions for her on how to do I don't know. But we believe that Asmodeus's influence has reached out to her. I uh, look at Nine Lives and say, did you encounter anything suspicious with the book? I don't know. Did we take a good look at the book? I don't really think so. No, you guys didn't really look too closely at it. Uh, no, one of the uh, the pages had a symbol of Asmodeus on it, but as far as the book itself, no, we haven't investigated it yet. Well, this isn't what we were hired to deal with, but I'm sure... So we're talking payment. We I'm sure we could figure out something. They look at you both. They kind of nod. They go, yes. Yes, I expected as much. We'll give you... 500 gold each, and then an extra thousand to split amongst yourselves, should you keep this silent in private. Machi machi. <laughs> I look at Nine Lives and kind of weigh the numbers in my head as I'm hearing them spout it out, and I'm like, hmm, seems pretty reasonable. You know, it's a kind of a slap in the face, but we'll do it. She goes, yes, you look like a man of class. Clearly, that must be a slap in the face to you. Kind of eyeing you up and down. <laughs> do we have a deal? 
Uh, Rathus will stick out his hand and say, yes, we have a deal. The female Vanderboss holds out her hand and shakes. You can see there's a look on her husband's face. Almost as if he's not sure trusting you guys is the best idea. Especially given the spectacle that Nine Lives has made. I'll go. Look, all jokes aside, no harm should befell a little girl. I swear my life will, I swear on my life will take care of it. We appreciate that. Which of your lives are you swearing upon right now? <laughs> Good question. One of the one of the lesser ones. Alright, good to know. Um, I request to inspect uh, Madame Vanderboss's pendant that she was kind of touching to see if I might have any potential Asmodeus runes etchings on it. She gladly holds it out in her hand to show you. And you can see that it's just a plain gold oval locket with a single red gem on the front of it. And she clicks the side of it, and it swings open. And there's a picture of her daughter on one side and her son on the other. It's becoming pretty clear that despite all of their bad decisions, she at least feels a lot of remorse and a lot of love for her children. I, all right, I can assure you that we'll keep them safe as best we can. Um, I saw your daughter take off one way. Where did your son end up, or which way did he head to? Do you... As you say that, you can hear a small little cough over in the corner of the library, where their son is sitting, reading a book. Found him. Clearly. It would appear that that's where he went. That's probably where he feels most comfortable. And when everything started in the ballroom, he dipped. He was not having it. I um, approach little Vanderboss and try and see what he's reading. Alright, give me a perception check. Uh, 18. Alright. Young Desmond Vanderboss is reading a book about dragons. He's about three quarters of the way through it, just sitting with his knees drawn up into his chair, intently staring at the pages. Hey, guy. Um, book on dragons, right? Very, very quietly. He says, yeah, I like dragons. I think they're really cool. Is that why there was a uh, gold dragon painting in the other room? No. That's just a picture of a dragon. Not everything has to have meaning. And he goes back to his book. <laughs> what an edgelord. <laughs> Almost profound. 
I uh, speak to him in Draconic, asking him if there's a particular dragon tail that he likes specifically. Oh, that's so cool! Kind of eyes you, and he goes, I don't know how to speak that. Well, perhaps you can be educated, and you can learn a few words some at some point. Yeah, I want to learn to speak Draconic. But mom and dad said that I had to learn other languages first. What languages do you know? I can speak Elvish, and I can speak Gnomish, and um, I was learning how to speak Halfling, but then mom and dad said that that wasn't useful. All right, and uh, halfling can be useful, but probably not in your profession or where you're going to be working. Um, did you hear or see anything? Did anyone else follow you into the library since the incident? No, I just came down here quickly. This is my favorite room of the manor. The only people who have been here have been mom and dad and you guys. Hmm. Okay. So obviously it doesn't seem like he knows anything else that's been going on and uh, he's been held up here with no protection, oddly enough. Yeah, you kind of get the sense from talking to him that he often goes unnoticed. That's a little disheartening. Um, so obviously they favor their daughter, and not so much their son. You would kind of get that feeling. Well, I'll tell you what. If I ever come across a dragon scale in our adventures, I'll be sure to bring it back for you. This is the first time you've seen any kind of real emotion cross his face. As he cracks kind of a small smile and goes, I'd really like that. Do I feel a burning on my skin anywhere? I would say a slight burning. Fair enough. Alrighty. Um, I go ahead and leave him to his book and go back to... Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Vanderboss and tell them that we'll probably be taken off rather quickly to try and get this issue resolved as soon as we can. I say please do. Just make sure that nobody else leaves. Just, what was it, the five of you? Yeah, it's just the five of us. Um, obviously, I don't want to tell you how to rotate your personal guards, but maybe another extra half dozen or so wouldn't hurt. You notice that Diodora, Mrs. Vanderboss, kind of looks you over, looks at her husband, Vincenzo Vanderboss. She goes, you know, I think he might be right. Perhaps we should call in the city guard. 
And then Vincenzo looks at her and goes, no, no one else needs to be involved. Already too many people know too much. He goes, do what you guys must. Get it done with. When you finish, come back and we will pay you for your work. And then we will speak no more of this. I uh, nudge Nine Lives and say, all right, dude, let's go get the rest and uh, hop to. Sure thing, boss. All right. So are you guys heading back to where everybody else is? Um, I would assume that we would head back to uh, everybody else and uh, just make sure that we're all on the same page as to what's going on. Also, to give me a possible look at the room and see what's going on with uh, Amelia. So, they push open the wooden doors to let you guys out, and they call for young Desmond so that he can stick close to them. And then, uh, I'm gonna say both of you make a Uh, solid 21. Uh, 11 for me. Okay. Nine Lives doesn't see shit. In fact, as, uh, Theodora is walking out the door, he is firmly looking at her backside. However, Rathos, a little more experienced in this area of keeping an eye on what's going on around him, notices a black curtain beyond the chair that uh, young Desmond had been sitting in that looks just a little out of place for a library. Can I uh, stop and say just a moment and uh, turn back and start heading toward? Yeah, absolutely. The Vanderbosses have already left. It's just you and Nine Lives at this point. I um, ready one of my hatchets and approach the curtain suspiciously as it seems to be more than just a curtain and uh pull it away as quickly as i can readying an attack all right as you rip this curtain open you see that it's just a small office just almost like an afterthought decorated with maps and scrolls of arcane gibberish and on a cramped desk sits a very small oil painting depicting the Vanderboss family. You notice that there's a painting hanging on the very cramped office wall that depicts an island floating in the air above a sun-drenched desert with waterfalls falling from the side of it and disappearing into nothingness. There's stone arches that stand at the edges of the waterfalls crystal clusters and moss growing from the cracks and then in the distance you can see the silhouette of what appears to be dragons wheeling through the sky so with a should I roll for insight or history or for trying to decipher where this drawing painting is sourced from Let's go history. 
23. All right. Looking at it, you get no sense of familiarity from it. In fact, it looks alien to you. You're not sure you've ever seen anywhere quite like this. You kind of get the feeling that it could just be entirely made up. Like those weird newfangled car things that people have jibbered about. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, you want to give me an investigation check, please? Seventeen. All right. So, looking at all of the scrawled notes on the desk, you see a lot of parchment. But most of it doesn't really make sense to you. It's almost like whoever was writing on it was writing their thoughts down very quickly, and it's very disjointed and hard to read. But other than that, it seems like a normal office. Um, from the writings, could I decipher, um, obviously, because they're on the table, um, could I decipher if the person was sitting in the chair, potentially? Um, I would say that you could tell that they... Mm. I would say give me investigation. That's, uh, 17. Okay. So I would say that you could tell that these are all old. That someone doesn't really come to this room very often, and nobody, in fact, to the library anymore except for um, Desmond the youngest Vanderboss he he comes in there and he reads his books about dragons and it looks like this curtain and this office haven't been disturbed in quite a while so there's a nice relatively thick layer of dust on everything yes well I guess they're not going to need this for, for a while. And I uh, roll it up as carefully as I can and uh, stick it in one of my bags to uh, decipher this later and maybe piece together what's going on. Nine lives, what are you doing? I was waiting on Rathos to, uh, I don't know, do whatever he was doing. No, Nine Lives is standing in the doorway going, hmm, dad ass. That was weeks ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Alright, so, are you Holding guys back heading back sneeze. to the rest of the group? Yeah, after I've uh, gathered some of the uh, gibberish, arcane language that I can't read, um, and the interesting painting in some of the maps... Um, I say, all right, man, lead us to the rest of the crew. I do so. All right. Upon reconvening with the rest of the group in Amelia's bedroom, um, you guys can fill each other in, I assume. And I'm guessing the room does not feel cramped at all with uh, five adventurers and a little girl and a giant unicorn. You would think it would feel more cramped than it does. You can tell that this family spared no expense to give their children the best of everything, including 
a ginormous room. I feel like Desmond lives under the stairs. <laughs> Surprisingly, he has a room about the same size as his sister's. Just one door over. Should we check it? Does it have unicorns? I think he might have a stuffed dragon or two, but I wouldn't mind stopping and peeking in. Is that what you all want to do? Yes. Sure. All right. So, Amelia will escort you for a moment. She just gestures to the door next to hers. And she says, that's my brother's room. You can go on in. I don't think he's in there. Thank you, milady. She kind of blushes a little bit. Yeah, of course. And then she goes back into her room and just kind of shuts the door. So, upon entering Desmond's room, you can see it's pretty similar to his sister's. And you were correct. Instead of a unicorn in the corner, there is a giant stuffed dragon. It, uh... I'd say it's about the same size as the unicorn. It's pretty big. There's a toy box at the end of the bed, a four-poster bed, a big circular rug. But rather than have toys in the toy chest, it's flung open and there's just books stacked inside of it. Nerd! <laughs> yeah, you get the feeling that whereas his sister long the manor and go out and experience the real world, uh, Desmond's much more happy to read and learn and just live his withdrawn life. Seems like the kid needs a little bit of adventure in it to get out more. Uh, is there anything, just looking around the room, I mean, anything jumping out as being odd or, or different? Um... Give me a perception check. I'll help her with it. I'm just kinda... looking around. That's a 15. Alright. So, upon investigating and looking a little closer at his room, you realize the weird thing about the room is how... nothing is out of place. For a child his age, there's toys everywhere, his bed should be, like, unmade. But instead, the bed is very nicely made. His books are stacked very neatly in the toy chest. The only toy in the room seems to be the stuffed dragon. It looks like he doesn't spend a lot of time in there. And that maybe he just isn't paid attention to as much as his sister. Aww. Counterpoint, he just has a really good handle on his life, and he's very organized. <laughs> That's unrealistic. I'm 28 years old, and even I don't have that good of a handle on my life. I was gonna say, this kid's this got his shit together, and I'm real jealous right now. <laughs> so what do you guys want to do? Well, I'm assuming we didn't find anything of noteworthiness in his room other than how he well he keeps up everything it's so tidy um 
no traces of imps, no traces of magical items. So I figure that we go ahead and I suggest to the crew that we go ahead and start heading over toward this uh, city of the dead. Was it? We still haven't looked at that damn book, have we? You have not. <laughs> Let's look at that the, damn book. The book, the book is in Amelia's room. The book is, in fact, in Amelia's room. I knock. Back to Amelia's room! Opens the door timidly. Yeah? We're back. We need to see that book. What book? The book. Kind of looks at you. Okay, I guess. <laughs> she just pulls the book out from the toy chest. You could see where the page had been ripped out of the middle of it. What I'm sorry, this little shit. What book? I mean, it's just a book. And just handing it over to Nine Lives. What do I see? What do I see? You see a book bound in red cloth. Uh, if I may, and I'm gonna cast Detect Magic on it. Alright. You do not detect anything. Yes, that seems that is just a book. Looks a little confused. She's like, I already gave you the piece of paper that was inside of it. She goes, have you not read the story? Can't say that I have. Well, I'm not very familiar with uh, stories from above ground. Says, oh, well, most kids in Waterdeep, they know the story of the wooden girl. Because, did you want to read it? Sure, uh, why don't you give us the, uh, the summary? Says, okay. Says, well, um, you know, there, there was the girl, Amelia, and she was brought to life in a puppet maker's workshop. And you know, she had limbs and a face and a heart, and she was made with such loving detail. And they, they put her in the window shop where she could wave at the passerbys and enjoy the view of the ocean. And then on the first morning of midwinter, Amelia would look through the window, watching the white snow and all of the caps on the sea. And, um, she just, she got sad and she wanted to leave the shop, but she knew she couldn't. And then one day, a vivid orange glow filled her sight. And on the other side of the window was this old man. And his face was covered in a torn scarf and he was holding a candle. And, um... You know, the the lady who made the girl, she was scared. And she always told her, wooden girls must stay away from fire. And she told her about the wooden snake that she crafted as a kid, and how it was brought to life, and it slithered toward the, the fire, and a stray ember ignited it, and she goes, have you guys really not heard this? No, I haven't. Fairies, like, enraptured. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, you know. And then, 
um, she was told about the pickup sticks that were crafted, and then when they rubbed together, they sparked and they lit on fire, and she told her about all of these things that when you're made of wood, they catch fire. And so um, she saw the man again, and she saw that the flame was really low on the wick of his candle. And he said, little wooden girl, why are you so sad? And she says, I wish to see the sea beyond this pane of glass. And she says, I feel trapped in here. And then he says, what if I took you from your mount? Would you like that? And then um, Amelia, the little wooden girl, she frowns and she says, well, I was told not to go outside because I could get lost. Little girls like me get lost in big cities. But then the man kept persisting. And then he's like, what if I got you a gift for the holiday? And she said, oh, I would love that. And then she says, perhaps I'll get to go look at the sea. The man stepped into the shop and lifted her up. And he marched through the city. And she was enjoying her freedom. But he went not to the sea, but to the city of the dead. And she says, um, you know, are you guys sure you haven't heard this? Like, everybody knows this. And she kind of looks at Nine Lives and go, are you from here? Real quick before I answer that, um, am I starting to get the idea that all those little nods are like the little breadcrumbs that we're supposed to be looking for? Talking about the pickup sticks and the snake and the fire and the City of the Dead, all that stuff. Um, you know what? Why don't you give me insight? That is a 23. Yeah. Especially because upon having looked at the wooden girl paper that was ripped from the book, you notice that the name Amelia has been underlined along with wooden snake and pickup sticks and as she continues, you can see alphabet blocks and an altar unmarked and unnamed, City of the Dead. You know, you could see all of these little clues have been underlined in her book. Uh, who who underlined these? Did it, did it come like this? Yeah, I guess. Convenient. Have you really not heard this story? Can't say that I have. Oh. Well, you can you can keep that if you want, in case you want to read it. It's not really my thing, and I just kind of like hand it off to. I just hold it behind me, and whoever wants to take it can take it. Okay. Oh, uh, Fairy will take it since she's you know she wrote down all the little you know, where everything goes. But she's, but what happened next in the story? How does it end? She goes, oh, okay. Well, you know, um, so he takes her to the city of the dead. And, you know, she already knew that she'd made such a terrible mistake because this wasn't the ocean. And, um, she just, she really wanted to go back to the puppet maker's workshop. And she wanted the company of the alphabet blocks and the dice and the spinning tops and the tiny ballerinas who danced but never spoke. And as the man wove through the stones 
and he sat at a circle embedded in the ground, and there was an unmarked altar with no name on it, but it had already been desecrated. And Amelia saw the remnants of the fire that had once burned, and the used debris and tinder, and when he pulled his scarf away and he grinned at her, it was an evil smile matched with red eyes, and there was this sadistic pleasure. And you could tell at this point, she's remembering it the way it was read to her. And she says, he put his hand on the ashes and he pulled out a matchbook from his pocket. And then he set the wind girl right there on top of it. And he burned her. He had the tool and now he had the fuel. And the fire roared to life. And as the fire engulfed her, she saw of the ocean that she would never see in the puppet maker's kind eyes, and then she longed for their cool dousing touch. And that's the end. Barry's crying. <laughs> she says, that is so sad. She never got to see the ocean. I'm going to be honest, that story kind of sucks. Kind of hard to find that a little girl really enjoys uh, the murdering of a puppet as a good bedtime. But other name. She goes, you guys never read these kinds of stories growing up? No, my, my family did not pay much attention to me. She goes, yeah, I get how that goes. She goes, no, it's, it's a good story. You shouldn't trust strange people and you have to be careful. Yes, I, it makes sense. It is like teaching a lesson. Yeah, just like all of the fairy tales. Fairy like wipes her eyes and she gives a smile to Amelia and she says, Well, thank you very much for telling us the story. You're a very good storyteller. Maybe one day you'll be a storyteller famous all over Faerun. You see, she smiles very brightly, and she goes, I'd like that. She goes, maybe one day, I'll do more than tell stories. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I could be like an actor. <gasps> that would be very, oh my gosh, and then you could perform the stories. Goes, yeah, that's what I want to do. Well, when, when you are famous, I will be the first person in line to see your performance. She's beaming at this point, and she goes, well, I'm really glad I could help you guys, but, um, I kind of think I should probably go find Mama and Papa. Yes, that sounds like a good idea. She kind of quietly leaves the room, looking over her shoulder at this group of strangers, with this story echoing in her head fresh now. Kind of a little wary but happy nonetheless to have made what she thinks her new friend. What would you guys like to do now? I mean, I think at this point we're more or less done at the mansion and we just kind of need to need to start making our way to the, the city. That's, I mean, that's what I would um, before she, before we go, uh, Fairy's gonna find that the singer, and she she wants to get an autograph for Hannah, 
the halfling baker that she met earlier today. Okay. Um, easy enough to do, especially because Rathos knows where her room is. So, and it's the one with the guards outside. But you're one of them at this point, so that's easy enough to do. Upon entering her room, she very warmly greets you and says, I'm very sorry that tonight's show was interrupted. Um, I do hope that you'll come back later once this has been resolved so that we can resume. Just, and absolutely here, she pulls some of the stationery off the desk and she gives an autograph with a little note and she hands it back to you. Saying, please do return. I, I would love to make it up to everybody. Yes, of course, we will do our best, we'll be back, and yes, I would love to hear you sing, you're so beautiful. Well, thank you. It only took, well, 130 years, give or take. Well, it definitely shows. She kind of smiles, and she says, well, thank you, again. I am so sorry that everybody's night was ruined by this. It is not your fault. There's no need to apologize. Well, be that as it may. I do hope you guys will return later. We intend to. It's wonderful. Is everybody else still waiting out in the hall at Amelia's room? I'm heading back towards the front of the building. Yeah, same. Yeah, fairy goes. Led fairy to the room. Yeah, so we'll head back to uh, meet up with everyone. All right. So, upon uh, reaching the entrance, you are greeted by a very imposing figure. It's a tiefling, but her skin's russet colored, and she has antler like horns. And her golden eyes look your group up and down, watching intently. And her long cobalt-colored coat is trimmed in gold. And you can see on her breast is marks of service to the military of Waterdeep. And that's my cousin yours. You can see that... Wow! Right? Maya just fucking glares at Rathos. You see her beige pants and her brown boots are just spotless, which is very uncommon for living in the city. And you can see that not a single strand of her copper hair is out of place. The rapier at her hip is an obvious statement that she's there on business. And she looks at your group and she says, are you the ones in charge of this investigation? Uh, yeah, that would be us. Hmm. Alright. I'm Alara Thon. I am the captain of the Waterdeep, um, guard. I'm here to escort you to the City of the Dead. Come on now. Let's go. That's convenient timing. As soon as we find out about this, someone shows up to help out. She is... Mm, a goblin. Wonderful. Hmm, a tiefling. Less wonderful. Hey. So, she kind of targets in on Nethmaya, 
and gives her a small nod of acknowledgement. Just one tiefling to another. And then her eyes go over Oko, ignoring the goblin. They pause on Rathos. She gives him a small nod. She's familiar. She's seen him around the city. Her eyes linger on Fairy. A little odd, but she doesn't, she's not sure she recognizes her outright. And then her eyes lock on Nine Lives. And she goes, Oh, it's you. Oh my god. <laughs> what have you done? Captain. Because <laughs> nine lives. Getting into more trouble, are we? Uh, fixing the trouble, as always. Because that's convenient. It seems like wherever you go, there's trouble that you conveniently have to fix. I don't have to. I just like money. She goes, I'm beginning to think that you caused the trouble just to make money. Hey, I don't conjure imps. Okay. You can't really pin this one on me, alright? She goes, clearly, I mean... you have neither the intelligence or the power. Exact. wait. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I wouldn't put it past him to cause trouble to make money, in all honesty. She goes, yes, that's along what I've suspected. This isn't our first encounter, clearly. Come along. The sun's down. We need to make it to the City of the Dead. I'm here to guide you. I know nothing about what has happened, nor do I want to know. It's been requested that I guide you so that no more trouble crops up tonight. I would like to keep this strictly confined to the manor. I do not need everybody in Waterdeep in a riot. Rathos will follow along quietly with a shrug and just kind of say, yeah, lead the way. Fairy follows as well. Alright. So she turns on her heel and she begins marching through Waterdeep. Just the main roads, whatever seems the most convenient. She nods to people that are still out on the streets. Just very curtly. She has a very serious demeanor. But in no time, you make it across the city of Waterdeep onto the very far side. And uh, you see, the City of the Dead is more park than cemetery. You see benches and greenery and flowers and statues. There are graves and mausoleums, but it's also got low lighting, and it seems like a place where people go to spend their time. You can see, with the hour at hand, a light fog has kind of settled in to the City of the Dead. It's about there at the entrance that she leaves you. And she says, take care of business quickly. Return to the manor. I will address you all tomorrow. All right, uh, thanks for uh, getting us here. Have a good night. Yes, of course. 
And she turns and walks away. Make sure you take time and smell the mushrooms. Harry smiles and <laughs> gives you a grin. So the story tells us kind of the gist of what we're looking for. It doesn't necessarily tell us where, though, correct? Correct. Can I see, is there any, like, infernal, like, symbols or anything that I would be able to see that are, like, hidden, maybe? Um, you can spend some time kind of wander through the City of the Dead, but it's a very large area. We're talking, like, huge public park. Shit. Like Central Park, kind of? Yeah, it's very big. I'm assuming there's not a sign that says, hey, demon rituals, that way. Nope. They're not segregated by any kind of, like, class or which deity they worship or anything like that? No. Um, it seems like the only real distinction is if you're from Waterdeep, this is where you're buried. Any, like, mausoleums? There are several mausoleums. Any Vanderboss mausoleums? There is, in fact, a Vanderboss mausoleum. It's actually right towards the entrance. It's one of the closest. You notice it's very well kept. There's a... There's a light dusting of snow over it and over the ground, and that, coupled with the fog, has made it so that your breath is coming out in little puffs in front of you. And Nine Lives, what's your passive perception? Uh, 14. 14. You notice there's something a little off about the icicles that have formed on the edge of the Vanderboss mausoleum. What do I notice about them? That there's only two of them. I see nothing of issue here. Okay. Well, everybody roll for initiative. <laughs> the ice circles. Nineteen. Twelve. Seven. Also seven. Um, 22 for my initiative. Great. Okay, so about the time that Nine Lives is turning to look at the mausoleum, the two icicles form into these two somewhat small creatures, and it looks almost like their body is made of ice. They've got long pointed faces with cruel looking teeth, long pointed noses, and they turn and look at you. And the first one is going to attack nine lives. What's your AC? Uh, 14. Actually, it's 13 right now because I'm not 
wield anything. Okay, you said 13? Yes. Uh, really quick, um, do, uh, I only have two spell slots left. Uh, do, does a short rest recover spell slots? I can't remember. Not unless you're a wizard. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. One second. I have to roll damage. Because it hit. It's like the best part of my night. It was revenge for all those Pathfinder games. What's your AC? It's a 42 to... <laughs> it's not even close to revenge. Give it another 13 months. And it'll be pretty close to it. Okay. Sorry, guys. Should have had this ready. No problem. Okay. So that is four slashing damage and three cold damage. Seven damage to nine lives. Ow. You can hear them kind of cackle, but it's almost as if the cackle just is coming from all around you, all of the air. And at that, it's Rathos's turn. Oh boy, look who he pissed off this time. Um. You say there are two, correct? There are two. Openly hostile ice creatures. Just what we needed. Can I take a uh, quick action to pull out already a torch by chance? You may. Alright, um, with Torch in my offhand, I will um, use one of my hand axes to try and swing at the one that attacked nine lives. Alright. Um, does 26 hit? 26 hits, roll for damage. Uh, 12. All right. So, as you hit it, it bursts into a cloud of just jagged ice. So you and Nine Lives need to make a deck save. That's an 18 for me. All right. 23. It was a nap. So, you both take six damage. Oh, I'm sorry. You take three damage. Darn, I don't have evasion yet. 
Alright. That makes it. Nine lives turn. Okay. Um, what What's the position of them? Are they, like, directly in front of me? Or well, um, the one that's left? The one that's left is within, we'll say, ten feet of you and Rathos. Okay, in that case, um... In that case, I'm going to stay my ground uh, to use my dual wielder feet to draw two daggers at the same time and toss them both. Alright. First one's a 21 to hit. Alright, roll damage. I was just going to roll the other one too. The other one's a 17. Okay. Roll for damage. Uh, nine total points of damage. So. After you hit it, it turns and looks at you with just these icy blue eyes. And you can see that there's a cloud coming out of its mouth. Much like what's coming out of yours, just the Old. As it turns towards you, it releases a cone of cold air. So, I didn't ask you guys beforehand, so I will give you guys the chance. I know for sure it's going to hit Rathos and Nine Lives, where you all clump together. Uh, when I we entered enter. the... Yeah. I mean, I was kind of with him, yeah. So what's, sorry, what's, um, happening to us again? Um, I need to make sure if you guys are all clumped together because the... Area of effect attack. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Dude, light me up. Well, you all need to make a deck saving throw. Nat 20. All right. I failed. 18. Eight. Twenty-one. Okay. So... Everybody else takes two damage, but Oko and Nine Lives, you take four damage. Mill turn. Look at everybody else. And then it's Oko's turn. Or Fairy. You guys can choose which one of you is. I believe you both... Same. What are you feeling? Uh, you want to just roll a d20? Whoever rolls higher gets to go next. Sure. It's a six for me. Got a five, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, fairy will go next. Um, let's see. Uh, sorry, I, I, I'm was looking at like some uh, rules and stuff. Uh, could you just like quickly tell me again? We've got the two creatures that were at the mausoleum. There were two. One of them is dead, and when it died, it exploded in a burst of ice. Um, but it only hit Rathos and Nine Lives. And then we have the other one, which just hit you guys with a cone of cold. 
Okay, um, I am going to do, 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 cast. I'm gonna take a look at. It. Let me take a look at how everyone's doing. Ooh, um, I'm gonna cast cure wounds on nine lives. Oh, and then also, um, one second, uh, spells, <laughs> spells are a lot, um, uh, would you say that the creature is within 10 feet of me? Um, I would say it's within 50. Hmm. Okay. So I'm gonna cast, um... Yeah, I'm gonna cast Cure Wounds on Nine Lives. So, one second, let me see. Okay, 1d8 plus your spell cast ability modifier, so that's... Where's the spell cast, uh, modifier again? It's gonna be your wisdom. Okay, thank you. So, uh, nine lives. I tap nine lives, and he heals eight points of damage. Right. Uh, and then I'm going to um, go uh, close enough to the thing. Um, and then for reactions... Um, I'm, I'm kind of, anyone know how reactions really work? I'm trying to, I, I kind of, it's like, it has to be like immediately after something. Usually your reactions, it tells you when you can use them. So like attacks of opportunity or a certain spell. Okay. Cause I want to use, um, I want to use, uh, Halo of Spore. When a creature you can see moves into a space within 10 feet of you or starts its turn there, you can use a reaction to deal 1d4 necrotic damage, unless that creature succeeds in a constitution saving throw against your spell save DC. So if I were so, to move... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Friendly recommendation about that. Um, it's outside of your range for the spell, and it's not moving into range. Mm, okay, okay. So because it's not moving... Yeah that can't be triggered yeah, yeah. um however based upon the first one going down with one's mighty solid hit i would recommend a range attack of some sort because i doubt it has more than like three hp right now yeah but i but i just i just cast a spell so isn't that my action yes yeah. okay so i can only move yes all right then i'll just Stay where I am. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Thank okay. you for helping me, everyone. Thanks and for the healing. You're welcome. Oh my god, I am so sorry. Nathmaya, I believe I skipped over you. Uh, I honestly couldn't remember what everybody else rolled, so I just assumed they rolled higher than I did, so that's okay. No. I wrote it, I have the initiative on two separate pieces of paper, 
because I was rushing to write it down. That is my bad. I feel awful. So you know what? As of my bad, you can, if you want to attack, make it with advantage because that's totally my bad. Sweet. I'll throw a dagger. Alright. Do you remember uh, twenty-two to hit? That hits. Roll for damage. Please don't explode in ten feet. You got healed. Uh, seven for damage. All right. So much like its buddy, as the dagger hits, it explodes into a burst of ice. So. That is... Rathos and Nine Lives again. Make dex saving throws. What? <laughs> I'm so happy I healed you! <laughs> it explodes in a ten foot radius? I'm a meat shield. I'm used to taking damage. So... Um, my dex save was uh, 19. 11. Alright, so you both take four damage. And we are out of combat. Solid. Hey. You do see, though, that the ice that they have left behind that hasn't embedded itself in Nine Lives and Rathos is all over the grass, sparkling under the low light. And as a reminder, everybody make sure you update your health and everything on D&D Beyond, because that's how I keep track of where everybody's at. D&D Beyond. <laughs> you, you can keep track of all your health. Just saying. I paid so everybody can use all of the really cool features on it. You have Hell access yeah. to what I have access to. D&D Beyond is absolutely the best. It's updated. Um, I. So they left a nice little pile of ice. Um, was there anything else on them by chance? Or left behind from their ghostly possessive remains. Looking through it, you don't see anything except for a tiny shard of ice that looks a little bit different than the rest. But other than that, it's not really much more distinguishable. So this tiny shard of ice, that's not like... um a soul gem of some sort. It's actually ice that's just not melting. Correct. Even when I hold it, it doesn't melt, correct? Correct. Or, like, lift it up to the torch that is lit in my other hand, it does not melt? Correct. It reacts more like a crystal than a piece of ice, but it is still cold. Uh, those are definitely going in my bag. All right. You've never seen ice before, huh? Hey, I might like to keep my whiskey cold for a long duration of time. You know, I can't fault that. So this is about the part where I would normally tell you guys that we're ending, but I'm going to give you the option, do you want to finish this up in the next half an hour, or do you want to hold over until next session? Um, Rathos charges into danger recklessly, and will totally dive through. I'm down to keep going. I'm good. Absolutely. 
Alright. I pick up my daggers. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm pick that back up. That's coming with me. <laughs> Good thing you guys said that because I would have had you take that out of your inventory. Merciless. I know. It's almost like I learned it from my DM who goes around slaughtering raccoons who have never done a thing wrong in their life. Well, the raccoons Plus forgot to pick up the daggers, so that's why. I'm Absolutely. still super, super, super not okay with this in any way. Bye. Yeah, I'm gonna be on guard with a uh, with a cutlass and a dagger. I'm gonna draw uh, draw both my axes. Harry readies her staff. I put away one of my uh, hand axes and draw a battle axe. Yeah, I was going to say, I uh, put away my dagger and actually draw my short sword. Alright, y'all, hidden action pose. Yeah! This is uh, a movie poster. Mine lies covered <laughs> in frost and needles. Um, I do want to, to kind of stealth around through here, though. Just while we're looking for that. Alright, uh, give me a stealth check. This serves no purpose, but I rolled a nat 20 for striking a pose and looking like a badass. Hell yeah! <laughs> it brings Just a tear to everyone's collective eyes. Put a foot up on a stone bench, do like the Captain Morgan's pose. Uh, 16 for stealth. Alright. So you managed to stealth um, through there. And... Which one of you has the highest passive perception? That's your perception plus 10. Probably Rufus. Uh, mine's 12. 13? Mine is actually 12, surprisingly. Oh, 14. Mine's 13. Okay, it's just a, a nine lives kind of day, I guess. Right? You said 14? Yep, 14. Okay. Nine lives. Would you say that you've probably been to the City of the Dead once or twice? Or is this completely new to you? Um... I mean, you would know. I would say with your, uh... Your way of getting up to mischief, you're not unfamiliar with it. But you notice a strange stone sculpture that, uh, it just seems a little different compared to all of the others. I investigate said statue. Okay. You notice that it's a little girl with wings on her back, and in her hand is a candelabra with nine candles. And then in front of her is a circular stone slab about two feet in diameter with no markings on it. Um, let's see. You can see that the wings, you said 14, yeah? Yeah. The wings are kind of webbed, almost like bat wings. So and, there's uh, a fair amount of detail in it. Yeah, it's very detailed as opposed to the very... I don't want to say bland, but more run-of-the-mill statues that build the City of the Dead. Can I... Hmm. How close are you to it right now? 
I would say I'm up there, and I'm gonna kind of motion for them to stand back and ready an attack. Okay. You poke it with a stick. As you get within ten feet of it, the candles begin to glow a vivid, almost angry sort of orange. Okay. Uh, I take five a five foot step towards it. Okay. There's a nice orange glow on the candles. Okay. Um, hmm. Just to see what happens, I'd like to take my holy symbol of Asmodeus and set it down on top of that plate. Yeah. Nothing happens. It looks cool, though, doesn't it? Why do you have a holy symbol of Asmodeus? Right? Thank you. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't he? You know, Lord of the Ninth, praise be. And I put it back. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think this is where we assemble that, well, I don't know what you call it, doohickey. Yeah, Fairy, um, has pulled out the, uh, piece of paper, and she's reading it, and she says, yes, it is, uh, says, the man wove through the rows of stones and sat at a circle embedded in the ground, an altar unmarked and unnamed. Unmarked and unnamed. Is there any, like, name or anything? Any indication uh, or any writing? No writing, no name. Just the girl with the wings holding the candles. Yes, I would say that this is probably it. I don't mean to say- I, I feel like my accent just keeps turning into Jester, and I'm like, I'm not trying to be Jester. I didn't even notice that, actually. Yeah. I love oh, it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Okay. Nine lives, you're closest to it. Um, so Fairy comes up and she pulls out the little bag of things. And she says, um, would you like, I have the uh, instructions written here. Uh, what were you saying I'm closest to it for? Because it's you and her up in front of it. Yeah, I'd like to get behind it so that we're flanking it, just in case it, I don't know, comes to life or something. Trying to get that advantage, Sun Tzu? Absolutely. Uh, Nathmire will walk up with a uh, fairy, though, and like, offer to help put it all and, and set it all up. Yes, please. Thank you. Okay. Between you guys, you make pretty quick work of it. You have the instructions in front of you. Um, Amelia was very forthcoming with her information. So as you're putting everything in its place, you notice a bright glow appear on the slab as an outline of the sigil appears. And the glow just gets brighter and brighter until it almost hurts your eyes. And as you kind of look away a little bit, it finally begins to dim. And on the altar before you stands a creature nearly two and a half feet tall with pale, fleshy, mauve-colored skin and a tail covered in hundreds of sharp spines and quills, nearly six inches long. And that's when you have to roll for initiative again. I thought was, this was supposed to negate the spell, not summon more creatures. Uh, Got a four. 
18. Um, 21 for Rethos. All right. Uh, nine lives, did you give me your number? No voice on that, buddy. Whoops. Mind that. 13. Okay. 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 Okay, so Rathos is up first. Um, before I decide to attack this thing, um, do I know exactly what it is by chance? Um, you can give me. Uh, let's see. What heck would that be? Uh, knowledge nature, maybe, because it is a creature. Or would it be more under religion or arcana? Um, I'd say religion or arcana. Well, they're the same bonus for me, so it's uh, 21. Do you ever get low rolls? Um, occasionally. No, no, he doesn't. Never. Ever. Yeah, we need a dice cam. <laughs> right? Alright. So, with that, yeah. You know that this is a spine devil. And it's just a sort of lowly demon. Usually does the bidding of uh, other higher-up demons. Uh, a demon or a devil? Devil. Yeah, because I was like, I thought this was the Nine Hells. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I forgot. I have to be careful with my phrasing on that. De demons are from the Abyss, and then devils are from the Nine Hells. Get it right. <laughs> but, uh, before anybody attacks anything, he looks at all of you, and he seems a mixture of disappointed and irritated. And he says, where's Amelia? Um, she sent us good buddy. No, no. It was her. She was supposed to be the one that comes here. Yeah, you'll have to talk to her parents about that. Um, what did you need her for? Yes. Hmm. No concern of yours. And you can see his tail whips out to the side. And it's now your turn if you want to do anything. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just piss him off and uh, swing that uh, wonderful battle axe that I own down uh, at his tail to try and chop it off. All right. Uh, 
That's a solid 25 to hit. Alright, go ahead and roll damage. Uh, 15. 15. Okay. So as you swing out to hit its tail, you can see it connect, but it doesn't manage to embed itself as deeply as you would have thought it would. And it looks at you, and it lets out a hiss. And that makes it Nethmaya's turn. Is Mimelife's, uh, still behind the creature? That's my intent. Yeah? Okay. Like, within five feet? Yep. Sweet. Okay. Um, I'm going to roll to attack with my, uh, short sword. Can I roll with advantage? Because he's flying? I would say... What would you say, Harrison? A plus two? No, I think I think you do get advantage because if if I'm flanking with her, it's advantage, and then that's right. Find sneak me. attack. Find her. Yeah, as long as as long as rogues have advantage, they get sneak attack as well. Um, I forgot to add in since I'm wielding my axe uh, one-handed, it actually does an additional two damage, so seventeen total. So okay. sneak attack is one hundred percent what I'm going. Going for so. All right. Uh, twenty-three to hit. That hits for damage. Okay, so So it's 9 plus the, uh, 12, and that's including the sneak attack. Alright. Okay, so, same thing as before. Upon your daggers connecting with it, you can see that you are wounding it, but it's not going quite as deep as you would think it would. That makes it Barry's turn. All right, I think I know what uh, why it's not being hurt. So I'm going to cast Shillelagh on my staff, which makes my staff um, sorry, it makes my staff magical. Uh, use your spellcasting ability instead of strength for the attack. Okay, uh, yes. So my weapon is now magical which I think is why it's not being hurt, because you need a magical weapon. Um, so I cast that, and then I'm going to do a melee attack on my on the thing. So, one second. Is that a bonus action for Shillelagh? Yes, I get a bonus action with Shillelagh. Sweet. Uh, so, hold on. Let me just quickly make sure I'm doing this right. Okay, so I just basically, uh, to use my spellcasting ability instead of strength, 
that means I would roll like with my wisdom modifier. Yeah, proficiency yeah. bonus plus your wisdom modifier. Okay. So that's 19. All right. That hits. You can roll for damage. So I'm just making sure I'm doing this right. Now it's a D8. So 1D minus 1. Uh, that's a four. So it's starting to look a little bit beat up, but you're kind of getting the feeling that all of these hits that are connecting with it are just not having the effects that you guys thought they would. Oh, even with my magical staff? Even with your magical staff. Ooh. It's now his turn. He's gonna turn on you guys. And, uh... You know what? It is gonna multi-attack. Let's see. Who's closest? It's... Everybody's Hit me, you ugly piece of crud. Yeah, we're, uh, we're at all four ends of it. Oh, you know, Rathos hit it for the most. I'm gonna turn on him. That is... A 17 hit. Nope. Does not hit. Alright, as one more attack. That is a 23. That'll definitely hit. Alright. going to be that is going to be 8 damage as it lashes out with its tail hitting you I guess it'd be about shoulder height from you let's have another hiss then it is 9 lives turn uh, before that happens uh, because it's it had its turn within 10 feet of me, I'm going to do Halo of Spores. Alright. Uh, so it has to make a constitution saving throw of 11. Or higher. Or uh, lower, sorry. Alright, so that is 19. Damn it! <laughs> it was a good try. Yeah. It's one of the few times I've rolled really high. Okay. Nine lives. Alright, time to put him to bed. Ooh, natural 19. Pretty sure it's gonna hit. 23. That hits. Roll Actually, for damage. I have advantage too, so hold on. Okay. The crit fishing. <laughs> no, that's a natural 8, so yeah, that's a hit. Uh, gonna roll my bonus, uh, bonus action attack as well, real quick. That's a 22 as well. Okay. So, Cutlass first. 
That's four damage. Sneak attack. Nine damage. And dagger. Two damage. Okay. With that last dagger attack, it goes down into a crumpled heap. Disappearing in a little puff. But you notice that the sigil that was all around it is still glowing. Now what? Um, I feel like I'm going to be doing something stupid here, but uh, I like being stupid at times. Uh, I'm going to take one of those little ice crystal thingies that I found and try and stick it where the devil was, I guess. Okay. It looks pretty in the glowing light. Other than yeah, that, nothing happens. Um, I stand where the devil was. Okay. You look pretty in the glowing light. I you look pretty the in the glowing light. <laughs> um, if anybody wants to make an arcana or religion check for me. Got this. No, I don't. Six. <laughs> you said arcana or what? Or religion. Give me a second. I was so excited. I'm like, this is my jam. And it wasn't. <laughs> hey, better now than on a attack roll. Twenty-one. Okay. So, upon placing the ice shard, and then standing where the spine devil had been, kind of looking around, you're you're starting to get some ideas that maybe holy water would make it stop. I ain't got none of that. Anybody, uh, any of you got possibly holy water? This is we want it to stop. Um, because that's what we're being paid to do? Well, we did open it. Um, you know what? Barry and Nethmaya, why don't you guys give me perception check? Fourteen? Seventeen. Okay. Fairy, you don't notice it at first, but Nathmaya, you notice that near one of the mausoleums, not too far off from where you are currently situated, there's a little fountain with an angel about six inches tall with its hands dipped in the water. It catches your eye. It might work. It could be holy water. This is, you know, a cemetery. It wouldn't be that far-fetched. Serious question. As a tiefling, can, can, can I touch holy water? That's a really solid question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. 
I'll just go uh, pick it like, up. I will, I will just bring uh, Fairy with me, and I'll have her do it. But like, can can I? I don't I don't know. Can you not touch it? You know what? Uh, demonic uh, heritage and potential holy water. I just don't want to try. I can. That is a safe bet. I wouldn't touch it. Uh, let's see. I googled it, and it says, um, Tiefling can smell any holy water within 20 feet. It is mildly irritating to them. The slightest touch on their skin leaves a black imprint that fades a few seconds after the pressure stops. Hot damn. So I'll at least be able to tell if it is holy water. Can I smell it? Is it holy water? As you get nearer, you can smell it, and it smells irritating. You do not like it. It's got yeah. kind of that, uh... Like pepper. Say antiseptic kind of smell, like bleach to you. Fairy, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is holy water. Um, the, if you could, if you could grab it, I would, I would appreciate it. Of course, and she, um takes her water skin and she empties it out of any, like, regular water that's in there and then she fills it up with holy water. Alright. You can certainly do that. And then she takes it back and pours it on the sigil. Okay. As you pour it onto the sigil, you can see the light not just fade, but instantly goes out, almost like when there's a power outage and everything's just very abrupt. And the rift page from the wooden girl into almost like sand. So if the page turned into sand, what happened to the book that Fairy's carrying inside her backpack? Did I I don't did I take the book? Uh, I believe you said you did. Yep. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna check. Wait, I don't have a backpack, do I? We didn't bring backpacks with us. We all just had a series of very small bags. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say that I just, like, I don't know, like, tied it up in, like, uh, I, I'm just carrying it or something. I don't know. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, you could have always tucked it into your reno, like yeah, like tied, made like a little sling out of a sh out of my cape or something like that. I'm crafty. I'm used to like roughing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna check the book. What happened to the book? All right. So upon examining the, book, you can see it's perfectly fine. I think it was just that one page. Um, you can see the book's fine, the page is gone, the sigil's gone, the spine devil's gone. It almost seems like everything's fine. I don't trust it. I was gonna Not say, uh, I, I, would, I would cast Detect Magic, but... I was actually thinking, shouldn't I have been using Detect Good and Evil instead? Mm -hmm. Or would... 
is that just to I think that's just to like figure out where something's like originating from. Um Okay, I'll just I'll cast detect magic. Okay. Um I mean, you get several pings of magic, but nothing from the altar. And you kind of get the feeling that there's potentially magic items in graves and mausoleums, stuff that's been buried with families for centuries, but nothing in this area. It seems to have just all gone. Uh, we, it, it looks like we're good. I'm not getting anything, anything evil or magical. That devil was really concerned that we didn't bring Amelia. I think we need to go back. Well, yes, we also need to let them know what, what has happened. Um, but yes, I, I, maybe there's something that Amelia's not telling us, or that her parents aren't telling us, probably. I would suggest that we uh, get extra holy water. And oh, I, uh, I, take that I, with I, us, just in case. Yes, I filled up my water skin. Alright, so are you guys going to return? Um, yeah. Let's say I'm down to head back to the mansion. To the mansion! Alright, you guys find your way back pretty easily. Um, maybe a couple of wrong turns, considering you don't have a guide. It's very dark, very late. You know, the snow's laying down on the ground in a a little bit thicker of a blanket than it was earlier. But you make your way back to the manor with relative ease. And upon arriving in the driveway, you're greeted by the same butler you had seen earlier. And he ushers you quickly inside. Hey, William, how's it going? It'll be much better once you tell me, is this all done with? Um, as far as we can tell, you got any extra bandages by chance? Yes, yes, of course. Um, yes, if you just, if you go this way, and he gestures towards what you think might be the kitchen area, he goes, they can attend to you in there. Perfect. I'm gonna go that way real quick. How about you guys go check on the little girl? All right. All right, so who's going which way? I'll go with them for the the girl. Same. Back up to Amelia's room. Yeah, I'm close to half health, so I think I'm going to go to the closest thing to an infirmary we got. Okay. Um, we'll say that for your help, they will administer a uh, potion, so... Fruit punch, my favorite flavor. <laughs> it's like that scene in Mary Poppins, when she gives them medicine and it tastes good. Mmm, rum punch. <laughs> yes! Okay, so go ahead and roll 2d4. Uh, oh, that... also that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Uh, seven. Okay. That's how many hit points they're able to give you back in a short amount of time. Hmm. Tolerable. Oh, also, that tiefling thing I found was actually, it was like a, a, from a list that someone wrote of, like, traits for your tiefling. So it's not canon by any means, but you're welcome to, like, make it canon if you want. Oh, it's it absolutely is. canon now? Absolutely, yeah, no, definitely is for sure now. I thought it was a good bit of flavor. I definitely liked that. So, everybody else is heading towards Amelia? Yep, yep. Okay. So, upon trying to track her down, you can find that she's in the ballroom with her brother and her parents, waiting anxiously. We're back! Amelia looks a little on edge, but relieved to see all of you relatively unhurt. Her eyes linger for a second on nine lives and ice litter in him. Um... We'll say Vincenzo and Diodora look apprehensive as they pull you off to the side to talk to you and they go, is the deed done? Are they by chance worried that I'm not there? No, they've taken no notice of the fact that you're not there. Good to know. Although, Are you talking to me? To be fair, Desmond, the son, looks a little worried that you're not there, but his parents have glossed over this. And they're addressing the group as a whole. Just is the deed done? We think so. We went to the place that was described in the story and we Put everything the way it was supposed to go, and then a big devil appeared, and it said that uh, Emilia was supposed to be the one to come there. Does that mean anything to any of you? Theodora kind of puts her hand over her mouth, looking deeply worried, and Vincenzo closes his eyes. He says, no, no, everything will be fine. It's done. We thank you for your service. You, uh, you may see William for the money. He'll ensure you get paid. And we welcome you to stay for the final performance from Calandra. This may be forward. It does not sound like everything is all right. What is it that you're not telling us? Should I make a, um... Persuasion. Insight or persuasion? Sense motive. User's choice. Whatever you're highest in, I will let you use that one. Okay. Uh, that's an eight for insight. Not great. <laughs> as far as you can tell, they're just relieved that it's over. They just want to go about their night. And that's all there is to it. Their daughter's safe. No more imps have popped up in your absence. They're ready to just enjoy the rest of the midwinter gala. Fairy, like, kind of eyes them, but she just, uh, pulls the book out of her, whatever she was carrying it in, and she says, um, 
Uh, you're welcome to take this back, Amelia. I checked. It is free of any bad energies or magic. So it is just a normal book, and you can keep it if you'd like. Thank you. And she kind of tentatively hugs it to her chest. Will you be staying for the show? Well, I would like to. I want to see the rest of the performance. Yeah, I'd like that. And then, as you're standing there talking to them, you can see the butler, William, is re-entering the room. And he gives you all the money that you were promised. That's 500 each. And then a thousand split amongst you. So, 700 each? Do I look like a math wizard? Yeah. 700 each sounds right. Unless one of us is gonna be like, I deserve more. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna be greedy. I will stab somebody. I say, we appreciate your discretion in this matter. Fairies, like, just in awe of the amount of gold that was just handed her. She's never seen this much gold in her life. She's never even dreamed of this much gold. <laughs> they say, we appreciate your help. Now please, and they gesture for the guards that are standing at the door, who quickly walk away. And just moments later, they return with Calandra. And looking at her now, you would never guess that she had just been attacked previously. Her skin is almost giving off a glow, just a faint glow as she holds herself high. And she smiles at everybody from side to side. And she says, shall we resume? As she takes the stage and she looks at all of you individually, giving your group a little wink. She holds out her arms and she holds them to her chest. And as she starts singing, you see this golden glow as her voice resonates through the hall. Everybody is back into good spirits as if tonight had never happened. And as her voice kind of wraps around everybody, that golden light starts to take form. Her music giving it life. And in the light behind her and beside her appears a small, almost dragon-like creature, about cat size. It watches the crowd with interest scaling the singer's shoulder and resting there and as she finishes her song the room bursts into applause and once again you can see people crying moved by her music fairy is among them takes... hmm? fairy is among the people crying as everybody's crying and applauding and laughing with relief she bows picking the little dragon creature off her shoulder and carrying it as she exits the stage and approaches the group. 
And she says, I hope it was worth the wait. Oh, absolutely. That was even more beautiful than the first song. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. She sets the little cat-sized dragon on the ground. It quickly skitters around people's feet, watching. Goes over to the food table, begs for food a little bit. And she sighs. She says, you know, that song, it's not complete. I wish it was. It's been in my family for generations. But maybe, maybe one day I'll be able to fix it and sing it for you once again. And that's where we end for the night. Before we end, um, Rathos would like to enter the room at the end of the song-ish, so he actually catches some of it, other than sitting in the kitchen. Absolutely doable. And as she approaches and sets down the little dragon, he wants to greet it in Dracon. Okay. And follows it over to the food table and gives it some, you know, meats and whatnot. Just talking to the little dragon, hoping to catch uh, uh, Desmond's attention. Doing. Okay. It absolutely catches attention. And while small dragon, it takes about as much interest in what you're saying to it as a cat would. It seems to have some basic understanding of what you're saying but lacks the intelligence to really understand. It does understand that you're feeding it, though, so it automatically likes that. So it's a gold pseudo-dragon? Yes. Fair enough. Right. So, that's where we end this session. Huzzah and waffles. Alright. So, I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves. Yes, and very much. Is everybody available for next Friday? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I have no other plans. I plan to be here. All right. Well, you guys were awesome. Thank you for sticking with me. It was so much fun. You did a great job. Thank you. For real. Agreed. All right. Well, Harrison, hit that end button.